Hello again, everyone, and thank you for being here today. Welcome to the IWSCC, or Inclusive Workplace and Supply Council of Canada's Empowering Equality podcast. And my name is Deidre Guy. Uh, I'm the president and co-founder of IWSCC. Super happy to have you here today. If you happen to be watching this on YouTube, you'll see that we have ASL interpretation, and that is sponsored by RBC Royal Bank. There are IWSCC uh, ASL Leader of the Year 2023 and supplied by Maple Communications Canada. Our guest today is a veteran, a business owner, creative director, photographer, sculptor, and we're probably gonna find out quite a bit more. Uh, so we're so happy and thrilled to have Dan Banco from Banco Creative Studio. Welcome, Dan. Hey, thanks, Deirdre. Dan, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. I mean, we only have a half an hour or so, but whatever you can squeeze in in the next few minutes, we'd love to hear about. Sure, that's the uh, the eternal question when people meet me. So <clears throat> I've got a number of different businesses, uh, a number of things that I love to do. Uh, you know, all of this stemmed from uh, my art degree, where I went to McMaster for art, uh, specialized in photography, and then from there started my own business, which then evolved into a publishing company at one point, which then evolved further into a marketing company, and now a content agency. And, you know, as part of our content agency, uh, my business partner and I also then have a few other sort of what we call side distractions. Uh, we've got a little coffee shop up on the coast of Lake Huron called the Little Blue House Coffee Company. Okay. And uh, we've got, you know, we've got a bar, we've got some real estate, we've got some other side projects that we're working on. So always something to kind of keep us busy and keep our juices flowing. How do you manage to stay on top of it all? Uh, a lot of hard work. Um, I do, uh, I don't really keep track of the number of hours a day that I work, but I really do like to keep myself busy. And, uh, you know, I, and even when I've got some gaps in time, then I either try and, you know, find new ways to make some art or I end up doing some volunteer work in the community. Uh, yeah, I just, I'm a busy person. So what's your favorite type of art? I see sculptor. Would that be it? Sculpting? Uh, I started as a sculptor. Actually, I started as a painter. I was a terrible painter and went into uh, sculpture from there with some encouragement from my profs. And uh, yeah, I mean, I would love to to get back into sculpture. I certainly appreciate it. I know not a lot of people do, especially modern modern and contemporary sculpture. But uh, really, I mean, I'm, I love anything that piques my interest from an art point of view. I'm not uh, stuck on any one particular medium in terms of appreciating it. Uh, certainly in terms of creating it, my tool tends to be more the camera these days and photography and video focused. Right. I know that um, you have good teams too, or at least you do as far as Banco uh, Creative Studio is concerned because uh, we do use Banco as uh, marketing advice and support. Uh, and we love working with Tara and we love working with Julia. So thank you for that. We appreciate you for that. Besides being a business owner and a veteran and a father, you're also really involved in the local arts and business communities. You've done all kinds of volunteer experience. Why, outside of being busy, why do you do that sort of thing? What, 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 uh, what, what do you feel that makes being a community member and so active in the community so important? Uh, you know, part of it, I would say, I don't know whether it's just in my nature or it stems from my service uh, in, the, in the Canadian Armed Forces. You know, for me, being an engaged citizen of Canada is important. I feel that 
so many people um, just live here and you know look to take advantage of all the things that are provided to them. Uh, this is a this is a really great country. This is you know probably the best place in the world to live, and that doesn't happen on its own. I know that we've got people who are you know paid to do some of this stuff, certainly in the public service, but there's a lot of heavy lifting that needs to happen from volunteers. And you know I I love to lead by example, and I certainly like to get involved in the community as much as I can. What kind of organizations do you or have you volunteered with? Uh, over the last 30 years, it's kind of ranged from uh, the United Way, uh, certainly anything to do with social services to, uh, you know, the last, I guess at the very beginning of my career, it was me just trying to get involved with various aspects of the community. So I started with the United Way, started with the Chamber of Commerce, and then um, at some point, I would say in the early 2000s, we decided to put a specific focus on arts and culture, only because that is my background. Mm -hmm. And you know, when um, people are considering places to donate or volunteer, as you know, they tend to only get into arts and culture if they're passionate about it. And uh, I would say that that sector tends to be the orphan child of fundraising for mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons, obviously. But that's where we thought we would put put all of our efforts. So since then, it's been, you know, the Art Gallery Hamilton board. Uh, currently, I'm on the board of the Glenhurst Art Gallery mm -hmm. in Brantford. Uh, I'm also, you know, still involved in some respects with healthcare. So I'm on the Linwood uh, Charlton Center board, which specializes in uh, providing funding and services to uh, children with mental health um, challenges and um, in providing care. Wow, that's those are all really great causes and super. Um, first of all, happy that they exist, and secondly, happy that you uh, are so dedicated to volunteering. And, and I'm sure that over the years you've probably included a lot of other folks in your circle uh, that they also do volunteering as well. Those kinds of things turn into a bit of a snowball, don't they? Absolutely. Yeah. So you, I mentioned that you're a veteran, and I, I'm interested. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your time in the military? What what sort of led you to uh, to join it? How long? Were you serving? What was that all like? We're always we're always curious to know these things. Sure. So uh, I was uh, a young lad working at McDonald's with my oh. best friend in high school named <laughs> Matt Bin, and uh, Matt was you know probably the earliest example of someone who I knew who had a lot of civic and national pride and uh, had a real sense of service and duty. And one day we were working at McDonald's together, and he's somebody had approached us and said, Hey, do you guys want to be managers? And Matt looked at me and he's like, we're not going to do that. You know, if we do that, then we're, it'll change what we do with our lives. He goes, what do you think about joining the artillery? And I'm like, the what? Yeah. I don't even know what that is. So off we went to the recruiting center in Hamilton and uh, joined the 11 fields uh, regiments as uh, reservists. And then spent the next 12 years working a combination of, Class B, Class A, uh, doing some full time. I did a stint, you know, along with all the various things I would do as an artillery soldier, uh, from working as a gunner through communications, through forward observation to detachment commander. Uh, I was also the unit recruiter for a time and then did a stint at CFRC Hamilton and uh, had some pretty, pretty big sort of recruiting milestones at the time because the Canadian, the face of the Canadian forces was changing. And uh, we we did a lot of really good work to to help, you know, help that help that change move forward. 
just going back to the McDonald's conversation, you probably saw me raise my hand. I did my time at McDonald's in high school as well. And, you know, it's quite a bit later. So I think we can talk about this uh, openly. But did you ever throw pickles against the stainless steel walls to see how they stuck? We used to have competitions. Uh, no one can fire me now. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we throw pickles and we do cheese taste tests. There was always the, uh, the cheese that went in the McDLT versus the rest of the cheese. <laughs> What about throwing the odd packet of ketchup back into the grill area so the folks would step on it and get ketchup all over their uniform? Oh, yeah, no, we, uh, <laughs> I don't know if we ever did that one, but uh, I definitely learned, I definitely learned how to sweep and mop. Yes, yes. that I still use to this day. I still use a lot that I learned at McDonald's as well. I think it really set me up. Now, I grew up in a small town, so, you know, when the McDonald's came to town, otherwise we had to drive an hour to get to one. So when it came to town, everybody wanted to work there. So, uh, you know, there was a lot of us, a lot of friends. Are you still in touch with Matt? Are you still friends? Yeah, actually, um, we uh, we had lost contact for a little bit, but we reconnected recently in the last three years. Oh, and uh, yeah, well, that's fantastic. And so when the time came for you to retire from the military, what was your transition to civilian like life like? Uh, well, again, I was coming out of the military as a reservist and I'd already had a lot of connections within the community, both from uh, from a business point of view, but also from a support network point of view. Working at the recruiting center was a tremendous asset. I uh, met a lot of great people there that help you kind of transition into various roles. Uh, and in fact, my transition came uh, sort of by chance. My wife had just finished teacher's college and um, the, the photo tech trade just opened up at the same time in the CF. And I think it had been closed for 20 years. I hadn't taken any new photo techs in. And the CEOs came to me and said, hey, look, you know, I know you want to do this for a living. Uh, I can get you into the next rotation. Um, just let me know if you're interested. So I went to talk to my wife and we agreed that whichever of us got our job offer first is where we would go. And then she got a call from a school the next day and I got my call from CFRC the day after that. So wow. we, I, that began, began sort of my, the, the knowledge that I was going to transition. Okay. It was about six years before I retired fully. And uh, yeah, really, I, I, when we had kids, I promised my wife that as soon as we had kids that that would, that would be my tenure. So it was 12 years. Well, it was a really great 12 years. I had ups and downs like every every career does, but um, you know it started off amazingly well and, and it ended well as well. So you actually started your business while you were still serving in the military. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah. And so, and I think we already know the answer to this, but it is on my list. So, did your experience in the military help shape the work that you do today? Uh, it did <laughs> in a number of ways, actually. Uh, certainly the you know the, the structure and the organization uh you know all those things that you learn you carry forward into running your own business uh certainly my sense of service also carried over onto how we do things you know as much as people hire us to take photos they're really hiring us to provide the best version of ourselves to provide the service on the day that we take photos and that's something that's very important to me and to all of my staff uh certainly those are the kind of people that we look to hire when we are hiring. And, you know, in terms of uh, connections in the community, I find that one of the interesting challenges in terms of transitioning out is that there's really, you know, not a lot of connection between 
the the business community and the military community in any of the cities where there are armories or where there are bases. Um, <coughs> probably <coughs> more so in major areas like Halifax. I certainly see a little more integration there, uh, and then you know possibly in, in downtown Toronto. Uh, but a lot of uh, not every unit has that mastered. Uh, you know, in Hamilton, I would say the Argyle and Southern Highlanders do an amazing job of maintaining relationships with the business community exactly. and helping their members transition. But not not everyone does it very well. Interesting. So, how did you manage both careers? Uh, again, I'm I'm a busy person. I worked a lot, and again, when I when I was starting out, I, it's not like people were knocking down my door to have me take photos. <laughs> it took a little bit of time. I started pretty much taking any job that would come in, anything from shooting, you know, photographing weddings to portraits to I did a lot of model test portfolios, cool. and then got my first big break at the with the marketing department at the Hamilton Spectator, cool. and it was. Just as my contract at CFRC Hamilton was abruptly terminated for you know budget reasons, uh, that I, this call came from the Spectator, and I never really looked back. Right. At that point, it was okay. I'm going to focus more on the business and start to focus on transitioning out of the CF. So it all just went quite smoothly for you, but the preparation really? was there. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So you're described in several places as a creative storyteller. And so what what led you to uh, start a business that basically excels at telling other people's stories? Uh, you know, it didn't start off that way. I mean, when you're when you take art at college versus art at university, the fundamental difference is that you're doing a lot more storytelling. Uh, you're doing a lot more conceptual work at the university level okay. than you do. You're doing more technical work at the college level, and you, you know, that sense of storytelling really gets ingrained in, you know, anything that you, you're creating, whether it's sculpture, a painting, print, what have you. And uh, that applied to me with my photography. And in the early days of working with other ad agencies or designers, a lot of the time, the direction they gave uh, for any of the work that we were doing you know, was good, but it wasn't, I, I didn't, I, not to say that everyone was like this, there were a lot of great people that we work with, but there were a lot of people, you know, we're in a regional market and a lot of people in regional markets are just trying to get the work out the door. And the amount of storytelling that was happening, I just felt wasn't there. There was a lot of very prescribed, just do this and get it out kind of work. So when clients would call us directly for that type of work, then I would always try and sit down with them and say, okay, exactly, you know, who told you you need these photos? Why do you need these photos? What's the story we're trying to tell? What else do you need then to, to really bring that story to life to help support these photos? Is it video? Is it social media now that we have social media? Is it and it, copywriting to go with it? You know, what are all of the pillars that you need to really fully tell your story that the photos will then just help solve? Yeah. And that led to the, the evolution of the business. Uh, really, most notably, when we became a publishing company in the early 2000s, uh, we rode an amazing wave just at the peak of uh, publishing and then crashed and burned as we hit the, uh, the tsunami of uh, the, internet. the internet and trying to compete with free yeah, online content. That makes it so. tough. So um, in recent years, you know, there's 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 definitely some growing negativity surrounding the Canadian military, um, mostly, of course, among civilians and, and the perception, I think, that's out there, which, of course, I disagree with. Um, is there part of the military story that you think isn't being 
told or that people aren't hearing? What, what do you think uh, needs to be told? I think the story just needs to be told, period. Uh, you know, I know that there are stories being told. And there are some units that do it far better than others. But the uh, at the end of the day, it, the stories just aren't being told enough. And I'm not sure how this happened. Like, you know, there's a, there's a supper club I belong to, the Hamilton Club. And on its walls is a veritable who's who of business owners and captains of industry from the early days of, you know, last century where they were all somehow involved in the military. They didn't just own a business. They were officers. Uh, they were senior non-commissioned members of various different local units. And this that lifestyle was completely intertwined. And at some point, that all fell apart. And uh, I find that, you know, even these days, the number of officers who I typically, I would assume, would be doing something in the community, uh, either from a you know business point of view or from a philanthropy point of view, they're just not out there. They're not engaged. And, you know, in part, a lot of them are students. They don't have the time for it. <clears throat> Certainly the younger ones and the older ones, uh, for whatever reason, it was just never ingrained in them or part of their culture to do so. All of their, the, the military, because they're reservists, essentially, I'm going to speak to the reservist part of this. <clears throat> that's their their side thing usually and to then volunteer or be involved in the community on top of that is very time consuming and they, they probably just don't have the bandwidth because they have a day job too that said you know the i think there's a really great system of honorary colonels and honorary lieutenant colonels that are also trying uh you know one of the challenges with that system is that those positions tend to get given to people who have prior CF experience uh, that don't, you know, they, they come at it from their unit's point of view, but they don't necessarily always come at it from a community point of view. Mm -hmm. And again, I know that that has also evolved tremendously in the last 15 years, uh, which has been amazing to see. And you know what? We're, we're not in conflict at the moment. So there's, mm -hmm. there's no big headlines for, uh, for any of the soldiers that are out there working either, uh, as a reservist or, or as a full-time member of the CF. I think that people don't think enough about all of the work that the Canadian military does in Canada for Canadians in terms of disaster relief and preparedness and that type of stuff as well. I don't, I don't think that uh, military gets enough credit for that. I mean, we all hear that the military is there supporting this or supporting that, but it's not really, I think, ingrained in, in people's thoughts. So maybe even some additional stories about what they're doing when there are no conflicts to be uh, to be had at the moment. I don't have this on my list, so uh, feel free to say you don't want to answer this, but I wondered if you had a favorite story that you like to tell about your time in the military. That's a good question. Uh, I would say, I mean, I've got lots of great stories. Uh, so I recently was going through some personal items uh, while I was clearing out the basement, and I found a photo from uh, Colonel, Colonel Hatfield that he had signed for my wife. She was a kindergarten teacher. And uh, he came through the recruiting center one day and was going to do some sort of commencement speech for some graduating, um, I don't know whether they were air cadets or somebody from Trenton had come to the Hamilton airport and there was a big sort of hullabaloo. It was also the last time he was allowed to speak to the press before he was embargoed for whatever flight into space he was going to. I can't remember what mission it was at the time. But meeting him in person uh, and getting to spend, you know, a day, a day and a half with him as he toured around and listening to his stories about his training and, uh, you know, life as an astronaut, 
uh, it was wow. certainly an amazing opportunity. Uh, and then, you know, and part of that was because I was happened to be at the Canadian Force Recruiting Center, but also the CEO was like, hey, we need somebody to take photos as we go around. So, Banco, you're up. And uh, so it was a combination of things that made that kind of particularly special and, and really kind of encouraged me to, you know, in part, he encouraged me, but also just the fact that the recruiting center was using me in that capacity quite frequently uh, made me, you know, gave me the confidence to go off and, and start this business. Well, I must say, as a, as a sci-fi geek, uh, I would have just been all over that day if I were you. So good for you. That's, that's a, a fantastic story. Um, we're going to talk a little bit now about um, veterans in general, but also a little bit about IWSCC. So for those listening and watching, if you haven't guessed, uh, Banco Creative Studio is a certified supplier with IWSCC. Uh, IWSCC works with both veteran as well as disabled-owned businesses, uh, and we work to support them in terms of networking with larger purchasing organizations in Canada that are looking specifically to add disabled-owned businesses and veteran-owned businesses into their supply chain. So we, we certify a range of businesses. Some are really new, some are up and coming, some are more established. What benefits do you find that certification with IWSCC gives to uh, a more established business owner like yourself? Well, it's interesting because we I had spent so much my, of my career not having any sort of uh, connection to any to any organizations like IWSCC. And this was our first uh, sort of attempt at, you know, getting certified. And it's been it's been great. I, you know, I realized that we haven't had a chance to take advantage of even half of the things that IWSCC offers, but the things that we have uh, worked on or that we have uh, taken part in have been have been excellent. And I know that our clients, especially our larger international clients uh, like ArcelorMittal, Tefasco, uh, certainly appreciate the fact that they're working with a veteran-owned business. Uh, even our U.S. clients, uh, now that we yeah. you know have this, you know, now that we're part of IWSCC. Um, they also, it was one of those things where they, they kind of loosely knew that I was in the military, uh, about half the people that we work with in the U S all have some sort of service record and they, you know, are that much more appreciative of the fact that they're working with a better own business too. That reminds me, uh, I've been meaning to connect you with uh, MVBDC, which is out of the States and they do certification for veteran owned businesses. So I will do that uh, right, as excellent. soon as we're finished this uh, podcast. So when it comes to veterans, in your opinion, what do you think that Canada can do better to support our veterans, particularly as they transition into uh, to civilian life? What and what are we already doing well, but what can we do better? Sure, I would say you know, I, it's been a long time since I've been. It's been I've been out of the army longer than I than I was in the army at this point. So, uh, and I still have friends who are in the Canadian forces. They don't tend to talk about their transition plans much. I, and I can speak to the time when I was in where, I, you know, there was a second career assistance network that was really focused on transitioning you to in some sort of other employment when you left the Canadian Force, trying to find a transferable skill or providing you the, the, the education to, to make that transition. Uh, but I never heard of, and maybe there, if you, you would know better, maybe there are pro programs like this now that would actually train you for entrepreneurship. And, you know, people coming out of the Canadian forces, men, women, officers, non-commissioned members, they are some of the most resourceful human beings that live in this country. And 
they don't, but they don't know what they don't know. And if they had the opportunity or had a chance to understand that they could start their own business rather than just going to work for somebody else, I think it would be a tremendous benefit. So again, if those programs already exist, that, that that's amazing. Um, and it would certainly be a way to, to give people other options as they come out of the forces. So to my knowledge, there isn't a lot in terms of veteran entrepreneurship. And it's the same within the disability community. There's not a lot of support in the entrepreneurship world. There's a lot for employment uh, and the same thing with veterans, but but not as much for entrepreneurship. Having said that, uh, IWSCC is in regular contact with Veterans Affairs Canada, and they have a veteran employment um, department that they have, I think it's more recent. Uh, and so they have, as a result of our conversations, uh, started to really include entrepreneurship as part of what they're talking about. So it's early stages and early days, but uh, I'm really hoping that we can help to make an impact because, of course, I and I see it every day, just how fantastic veterans are as business owners. And, you know, there's that that um, perseverance, I call it that over, under, around and through, you know, that, that we're going to get it done one way or the other and, and the bounce back ability. And, it, you know, it works the same for the disability community. They're quite similar. Uh, in a lot of ways. So we really want to focus on entrepreneurship as much as we can. Uh, we do have actually on November 29th, quick shout out for IWSCC, uh, a veteran forum that we're putting together. So, you know, people will be seeing that in the in the media very shortly. Uh, so, um, you know, we look forward to putting that out and it's going to be showcasing veteran entrepreneurs and talking about the benefits along with some of the struggles but you know some of the great ways that so that people have made their way through it so november 29th for those of you that are watching or listening uh what do you think that canada is doing well uh dan when it comes to military transition well the fact that you know they're supporting soldiers as they're trying to transition uh is amazing uh you know there was a time where you know you'd meet with your career manager and it was always just focused on trying to keep you in so yeah. Uh, the fact that you've got the options to now leave, uh, you know, and, and I realize like every other organization out there, the CF is having some tremendous recruiting challenges right now. And there's, you know, people are short staff and the, they're burnt out. And, um, you know, the fact that there is accommodation for for that, uh, where people argue, you know, it, at least people I know, I don't know how prevalent this is, where people, you know, have have left and then realize that they wanted to go back and the doors were open to them where, you know, in there were times where if you left and you wanted to come back, you were jumping through hoops for a long time to try and extra you know, push-ups kind of thing. Yeah. Like just to even get back to your old, you know, job at a lower rank. Sometimes you, oh, gosh. you know, it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't easy. It wasn't like an automatic you're in. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. So no welcoming, yeah. come on back to the fold. So that has changed as far as you know. From what I understand, it's changed. And, you know, right. there's been, I know a lot of guys who also were, you know, full-time members of the CF who, as they were getting ready to transition, ended up, you know, working as the, you know, the, the liaison person at a reserve unit somewhere. And yeah. that's where they would start to get the chance to put down roots outside of, you know, a Canadian Forces base district where the those tend to be isolated places and the opportunities aren't as broad in terms of, you know, trying to set up a small business or, or other entrepreneurship opportunities. So, you know, as people transition and, and work in the, you know, start working with reserve units, they start to, to get broader horizons and, and see the other opportunities that are out there. So what advice would you give to a fellow veteran or even someone currently active in the military uh, who would like, who wants to start a business, who's thinking to start a business? 
you know, like anything, do your research. Um, planning is, is key to all of this, just as like it is to anything else. And as much as uh, my friend Alex, who's uh, uh, an officer in one of the local reserve units, talks to me often about how, you know, anybody can can win a battle, but you need logistics to, to win the war. So the starting starting your own business isn't isn't easy uh you know the stereotype of not breaking even for three years is a stereotype for a reason right you know what tara and i joke about some of our business distractions uh they they live up to that stereotype we're, <laughs> we're feeding those funds in for a good long while until they get get their sea legs so you know do your research uh, make sure that you're really passionate about what you're doing and like anything else this isn't uh you know you may have to start on your own but there is a giant network of other veterans out there who have started their own businesses, whose mistakes you can learn from, uh, or who are just out there willing to help you uh, to help you get on your feet and connect you to, to the right clients and the right people in the industry that you want to serve. And of course, certification with IWSCC. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> thank you, Dad. <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much for your time today. I know you're dealing with a bit of a cough, so I really appreciate you persisting through this. Uh, it's great to get to know you better, and I'm really pleased that, that uh, you were able to take the time. I, I know that we've had a bit of a time schedule-wise because you're always on the go, of course, with all the different things that you have. So we're really thrilled that you were here today. Appreciate it a lot. It was my pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. And uh, we look forward to working with you in the future. Mm -hmm, for sure. And thank you all again for joining us today. Um, for more information about supplier diversity inclusion, or inclusion, uh, you can visit us on our website at www.iwscc.ca. Uh, you can find us on YouTube for your podcast listening on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, once again, thank you to Maple Communications for the ASL and to RBC for sponsorship of our 2023 ASL requirements. And we'll see you again next time.